0: Welcome to episode 76 of season 4 of the Old Radio Comedy Podcast. One of the earliest and most successful, not to mention longest running, situation comedies of radio was Fibber McGee and Molly. Husband and wife comedy team Jim and Marion Jordan from Peoria, Illinois, got their radio start on their own show, SmackOut, on WENR in Chicago in 1931. This led to them conceiving of their next show, Fibber McGee and Molly which became a smash success and went national on NBC Radio on April 16th, 1935. The show set the standard over the next decade for how studio sitcoms were created and run, including live orchestras, formatting, studio audiences, and rehearsals. Marion took a protracted leave from the show from 1937 to 1939 to deal with her alcoholism, and during this time the show was renamed Fibber McGee & Company, with stories working around her absence. During this period, Jim closed each show by saying goodnight, Molly, as an indirect salutation to his wife at home, until the FCC ordered him to stop. After his protesting this decision, they allowed him to resume. The show made it into four films, two television shows, one which never made it past the planning stages and the other which only lasted for one season. The radio show ended in 1959. Now sit back and enjoy the October 24th, 1944, and May 22nd, 1951 broadcasts of Fibber McGee and Molly.
1: The Johnson Wax Program with Fibber McGee and Molly. The makers of Johnson's Wax for home and industry present Fibber McGee and Molly, written by Don Quinn, with music by the Kingsmen and Billy Mills Orchestra. no floor in your home gets as much traffic as your kitchen linoleum. And besides that, things get spilled on it quite often. So there are two reasons why Johnson's self-polishing glow coat gets such a friendly welcome in most homes. Glow coat gives linoleum protection against dirt and wear. In fact, its regular use makes linoleum last six to ten times longer. And the glow coated floor is very easy to keep clean and sparkling because dirt can't penetrate into the surface. Still, things are quickly wiped up with a damp cloth. And you know I'm sure that Glow Coat requires no rubbing or buffing. It polishes itself as it dries. If you have any linoleum surfaces that are not protected, give them a beauty treatment with Johnson Self-Polishing Glowcoat. they call that thing you get from the bank every month a statement? Because that's exactly what it is. It isn't a question or a suggestion or a friendly comment. It's a statement, and you'll take it and like it. Unless, of course, you're Fibber McGee of Fibber McGee and Molly.
2: Crooks, the bandits. Twenty million dollars in capital reserve, and they got to put the bee on me for for fifteen bucks. The dirty penny pension orphan-robbing, widow-jipping, nickel snatching. McGee,
3: what's the matter with you? Mm. You've been growling like that all evening. It's
2: this dad rat at Bank State.
3: Oh, dear, every month the same thing. <laughs>
2: oh, my gosh. As usual, those cold-blooded, frozen puss pickpockets have lost up my checking account, so I don't know whether I'm broke or merely poor. Don't be ridiculous, dearie. The only reason they keep your account at all is for nuisance
3: value. <laughs> Keeps the bookkeepers amused on rainy afternoons.
2: Oh, yeah, well, I'll amuse them by George. I'll withdraw the entire
3: account. Oh, well, that'd be a simple procedure. Just write a small check and boom, you're next customer.
2: <laughs> what do you mean a small check? According to their own statement here, I got 114 bucks and 34 cents.
3: Well, $114 is not to be sneezed
2: at, unless you get caught in an overdraft. Aha, <laughs> uh-huh, but according to my figures, I got exactly $131 You see, yeah. there's a mistake of $15.66 In their favor
3: I bet one of the cashiers stole it and is having a gay fling in South America
2: <laughs> I'm not accusing anybody of abscoundreling with it I merely point out to your attention that the mistake is in the bank's favor.
3: Well, why don't you drop by the bank and take it
2: up with them personally? Oh, no, you don't. No, sir. Every time I do that, they show me where I made the mistake. (laughs) Now, look, this statement says... Oh,
3: heavenly days, there's somebody at the door. Now, you let them in, dearie, while I go take off this paper and put my face on. Uh... Now, don't get into any fights with the bank. They're Uh... pretty nice people outside of business hours.
4: Uh...
2: ah, there goes a good kid. (laughs) If I had it to do all over again, I'd marry her twice as quick. I'll pay for the license myself. My job. Oh, come in. Are you Mr. McGee? In the flesh, bud. In the pale, quivering flesh. And if you're from the Fourth National Bank, wipe that smile off your puss. You're out of character. But I'm not a banker, Mr. McGee. I am T. Orville Drake of New York. T. What? The who? That's T. Orville Drake. You don't remember me, do you? According to etiquette, Bud, I suppose I ought to say, of course I do, Orville. and Then stall around and try to remember where we met. (laughs) But frankly, you got me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, it's not surprising that you've forgotten, Mr. McGee. Generous impulses like yours are too spontaneous to be long remembered. And after all, it was six years ago. What was six years ago? The incident I referred to, six years ago on the bus from Albany to Boston, I lost my wallet. And out of that whole busload of people, you were kind enough to loan me the money to pay my fare. Remember? Well, I'll be uh... here, here, here. You see this check? Oh. I've been carrying this for six years, knowing that someday business would take me through Hovick. Well, Diogenes, blow out that lamp. <laughs> A check for four bucks. My gosh, why didn't you mail it to me, Bud? Well, I wasn't sure of the address, old man. Besides, I wanted to hand it to you in person. And thank you again for your kindness. Yes. Well, I'll be running along. No, no, no. My gosh, Orville. Come in and sit down. It's a pleasure to meet a guy as honest as you. You just restored my faith in human nature. Well, I'll just stay a moment, McGee. Just a moment, I... Oh, very pleasant home you have here. (laughs) Well, we like it. Uh Uh, We have to like it. (laughs) Have a cigar, Orville? Oh, thanks, thanks. I have one. You got two? Uh, Thanks. (laughs) Boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. A (laughs) 50-center. You must be up in the blue chips already. Well, I've always managed to make money, McGee. I guess I'm just naturally acquisitive. Yeah, me too, Orville. Always asking questions. (laughs) Some people think I'm nosy, but that's... I didn't say inquisitive. I said acquisitive. Oh, act. Yes. (laughs) I thought you said ink. (coughs) You here on business, Orville? What do you do, insurance or something? No, no. I'm an engineer, McGee. No kidding. What railroad? (laughs) You. I'm a mining engineer. I locate and develop mining properties for an eastern syndicate. But let's not talk shop. No, I was just... McGee,
3: who was... Oh, (laughs) excuse me. I didn't realize you had company. And now, don't get up, please. Now,
2: uh, Orville, I want you to meet my wife, Molly. This is T. Orville Drake, an old pal of mine from New York.
3: How do you do, I'm sure.
2: Mrs. McGee, this is a great pleasure. If I'd known what a beautiful wife my friend had, I'd have been here much sooner.
4: Ah,
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mr. Drake, now, none of your belly scuffles.
2: <laughs> I see why you New Yorkers call it Times Square. You don't waste any, do you? <laughs> You know what, Molly? Orville put the clutch on me for four bucks six years ago and come all the way from New York to pay it back.
3: Oh, isn't that nice? Won't those other people be pleased when he gets back and tells them it's all settled?
2: What other people, Mrs. McGee? You mean
3: he didn't demand a note with three (laughs) co-signers?
2: Ain't this great, though? Nothing like old friends getting together again. Just
3: get in town, Mr. Drake? Yes,
2: I flew in this afternoon. Flew in, eh? Have any trouble with reservations, Orby? No, no. I travel on a number four priority. Number four priority, eh? Oh, that's a great little airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Much smoother and faster than the old number three priority. I remember one time Jimmy Doolittle took me up. McGee,
5: I think that... Yes, sir,
2: there's nothing like air travel. I predict that after the war, there's going to be airlines all over the world. I predict that one of these days, every little town in the country will have a landing strip. If you'll find the expression. (laughs) 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 Mr. McGee's had a lot of experience, too,
6: Mr.
3: Drake.
2: Really? Flying? No,
3: predicting. (laughs) (laughs) McGee, don't leave Mr. Drake's hat lying there on the table like that. Hmm? That's as inhospitable as a loud clock.
2: Hang it up. Oh, that's all right, Mrs. McGee. I can only say oh, she's minutes. right, Orville, old kid. She's a great one for a neat looking house. Can't stand to see things messed up or out of place around the house. So when she says hang up the man's hat, I know exactly no, what. No, 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 McGee, not in there. Oh, because... He wasn't expecting company, Orville.
1: <laughs> Billy Mills and the orchestra play Dance with a Dolly.
3: dinner, Mr. Drake? It won't be very fancy, though. I hope you like Irish stew.
2: Oh, I'm very fond of Irish stew, and I certainly hope you people will come and visit me in New York sometime. I'd like to return this hospitality.
3: Oh, I'd love to come to New York, Mr. Drake. I want to see the Statue of Liberty and the Hippodrome and the Aquarium and the Flatiron Building.
2: Flatiron building? My gosh, Molly, you're way out of date. There's a hundred buildings taller than the Flatiron building.
3: I don't want to see the building. I want to buy a flatiron. <laughs> you know what's getting Mr. So terrible? Oh, hello, Alice. Come in, dear. Oh,
7: excuse me. I didn't know you had company, Mrs. McGee. Hiya, Pop.
4: <laughs> <laughs> hello,
2: Alice. Orville, this is our boarder, Miss Darling. Alice, this is T. Orville Drake, old pal of mine from New York.
7: Oh, hello, Mr. Drake. How do
2: you do, Miss Darling? Any relation to the Westchester dollings?
7: Oh, creepers <laughs> it could be, Mr. Drake. Though my cousin Chester didn't go west, he went south. He... <laughs> <laughs> With eight thousand dollars that belonged to some oh <laughs> um, Mrs. McGee, did Harold Bach call me on the phone? No, he didn't, Alice. You only got calls from Maury
3: Needham and uh, Jeff Lewis and Mel Brorby.
2: Are you expecting a call from Harold Bach, Alice?
3: Yes, a
7: nasty little double crosser. You know what he did, Pop? What did he do, Alice? Well, he stood me up last night. Mm. Here I sat with my best face on and a new dress that would make a hermit come down from the hills, <laughs> and I waited and waited and waited, and Harold never did show up. I think I was pretty uncalled for. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, come to New York sometime, Miss Darling. I assure you, you'll not be kept waiting.
7: Oh, gee, thanks, Mr. Gander, but... Drake, Alice. Oh, (laughs) well, thanks, Mr. Drake. I hope I can come to New York sometime. I've always wanted to go to the stork club and watch them feed the columnists. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, Papa, if Harold calls, will you give him a message for me? Sure, kid. What's the message, Alice? Just give him the Alice darling curse. May he run out of cigarettes while changing tires in his tuxedo after a blowout on a rainy night ten miles from a filling station. Goodbye, Mr. Gray.
2: (laughs) Charming girl. College student? No, she works in an airplane plant, Orville. Welder. Used to do riveting, but she was too light for it. Gave her the hiccups. (laughs)
3: She's what Alexander Graham Bell had in mind when he invented the telephone, Mr. Drake.
2: Well, it's nice to be young, if you're strong enough to stand it. Yeah, and I get quite a kick out of talking to her boyfriends. A lot of them are servicemen, and I'm a veteran from the last war myself, so I... No, dearie, you mean, uh, veteran. I don't mean any such a thing. A veteran is a guy that don't eat meat. no. <laughs> Oh, no, that's a vegetarian, McGee. <laughs> now, don't give me that, Orville. I know what a vegetarian is. That's anybody that's 80 years old. Ah,
3: <laughs> oh, you're thinking of octogenarian, sweetheart. Go oh, on,
2: an octogenarian is a devilfish. No, 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 that's an octopus. Well, then, then what's a veterinarian?
3: That's a man who doctors horses.
2: And you? Yes. That's what I was in the last war. I was an orphan. Orchid- <laughs> Well, you see, I guess I know what I'm talking about. Oh, Oh, excuse me. Come
3: on in, Mr. Wilcox. This is Mr. Drake from New York.
2: Orville, this is Harlow Wilcox, the personality kid, with his feet on the ground and his mind on the linoleum. Glad to (laughs) Well, Mr. Wilcox, I'm glad to know you. You know, that name is very familiar. Don't you do something in radio?
3: Oh, he certainly does, Mr. Drake. Mr. Wilcox is one of our leading radio
2: personalities. Oh, you just say that. Well, hell. I knew I remembered that name. You're on the air for, uh, uh, uh... Now, don't tell me. Don't tell me.
4: Uh, 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 let's see.
2: Now, let me guess. Let
4: me guess. I'll, get minutes.
3: I'll give you a hint. What is it that you pour a little of on the linoleum, spread it around with a long-handled applier, and let it dry to a mirror-like polish in 20 minutes or less?
2: Concentrate, Orville. Yes. Concentrate.
1: <laughs> What is it, Mr. Drake, that helps restore the color and brilliance of worn and faded linoleum and protects it from scuffing and scratching? Johnson's self-polishing glow
4: coat. You got it! Got it. Got it. You got it! You want to take the $8 and quit? Or try for $16 and a free package of mothball. <laughs> no, I knew
2: I'd get it. You know, my children listen to your program every week. It's a little silly for grown-ups, I
8: think, but... <laughs>
4: The
2: youngsters love it. Oh, say, tell me. Tell me, who plays the part of Jerry Colonna? Is that H.V. Colton Bourne? (laughs)
3: Well, let's drop the subject while we still
1: know who we are. Do you uh, ever get up around Racine, Wisconsin, Mr. Drake? Well, I don't think I ever uh, The reason I asked was I'd like to take you through the Johnson Wax factory sometime. See just how they make self polishing glow coats. Very interesting. Oh, say, Fibber, have you got a picture of our office building?
3: Have we, Molly? Yes, yes. It's in the table out in the hall, Mr. Wilcox. The
2: top drawer. But be careful how you handle that table, Junior. It's got very loose drawers, if you'll pardon the expression. (laughs) Well, I'll mail him a folder.
1: Well, I've got to be getting along, folks. Remember, Mr. Drake, you're up in Racine, Wisconsin. Drop in and mention my name. I certainly will, Mr. Bonzel. Nice (laughs) one. Thank you. So long, Eddie. Good night, Ida. (laughs)
3: That ends a thoroughly confusing few moments. Yeah. Dinner should be ready in just a little while,
4: boys.
2: Somebody at the Oradorville—I mean at the Door Orville. Well, I'll go see who it is and give you and Molly a chance to say a few nice things about me. I'll try to get it. Oh, keep your flaps down. I'm coming. Hi, Mister. Oh, hello, Teeny. Now, now, look—I haven't got time to bat the fat with you just now. Mrs. McGee and I are having a fellow from New York for dinner. you haven't? <laughs> oh. No, no, no. You know what I mean. He's our guest for dinner. So you run along now.
5: Hey, mister.
4: Yes, yes, yes. What is
5: it? Look, we're friends, aren't we, mister? Yes, yes, yes. We've been through a lot together, me and you. Haven't
4: we, mister? Yes, yes. You
5: and I are... All
4: right, all right,
2: all right. We're buddies. We're pals. We're Charlie Damon and Susie Pythias. What are you driving at?
5: Well, I always say that every young girl should have an older man as a friend. Yeah. Somebody she could always go to for sympathy and advice and stuff. So when she has a personal problem... Look,
2: sis, look, never mind the heartthrobs. Get down to cases.
5: Well, you know Willie Toops, mister. Yes, I do. Hmm?
2: I said yes, I do.
5: You do what? I know Willie Toops. Gee, so do I. <laughs> Gee, Swiss, I'm glad you mentioned him, Mr. Onokai. He's my problem. Now, wait a
2: minute, sis. I haven't got time to stand out here on the stoop and act like one. <laughs> Just uh, listen to a lot of childish... Oh, uh-huh. <laughs> Now, stop that bawling. Cut it out. I didn't mean to be impatient, but after all, I, I got a guest waiting for me inside. So as I was.
5: I guess you don't like little children, I bet you.
2: Oh, no, I do too. I love little children. I think they're the cutest people of their age that there is.
5: <laughs> now,
2: what's biting you?
5: Well, suppose you were a young girl like me, and she had a boyfriend like maybe Willie, too, and he had a swing shot. And the little girl bet the little boy ten cents he couldn't break somebody's garage window with one shot. And he did. And gee, the window cost a dollar and a half to get it fixed. And the little girl is an awful damn. If you were the young girl's friend, what would you advise her to do, Mister?
2: I'd advise her to go tell her father the whole story. Take her beating and tap him for a dollar sixty. Now, if you'll excuse me. Uh,
5: You help me. Oh. <laughs> See, I thought
2: we were friends. Oh my gosh! Cut it out, sis! Cut it out. Here, here's a dollar sixty. Now go square yourself. Whose garage window was it? Yours. <laughs>
1: King's Man, Ding Bahia.
2: see old Orville leave, Molly. Great yeah. guy. Imagine anybody traveling all this distance to pay a guy four bucks that he borrowed six years ago. Yes, and he had such nice manners, too. Mm-hmm.
3: Did you notice how he held his napkin in front of his face when he used a toothpick?
2: Ah oh, well, class will tell, baby.
3: Did you see the ring Mr. Drake was wearing? It looked like the Hope Diamond.
2: Hope will never have a diamond as big as that. <laughs> and if he does, Crosby will be on the mounting. Incidentally, Molly, that was a very good dinner we had tonight. Don't tell me, dearie. Tell Beulah. Oh, bye, George. I will. Hey, Beulah. Oh, Beulah.
8: Somebody shopping for the shelf? <laughs> yes, Beulah,
3: Mr. McGee wanted to tell you what a nice dinner that was.
2: No kidding, Beulah. That was as fine a flock of food as ever flung a fang
8: into.
4: <laughs> <laughs> well,
8: I'm so glad you enjoyed it, folks. Much rather cook for grown ups than for children like I do the last place I
4: worked.
8: Why, Beulah? Oh, I don't know, ma'am. Big folks enjoy eating more, seems as
4: if.
8: Somebody else can toast the tasties for the tiny sauce. I'd rather whip up a
4: middle-aged spread.
8: Oh, <laughs> ah, well, it was
2: great stuff, Beulah. That Irish stew was so good, I was thinking of doubling your salary, if you don't mind a bad pun.
4: <laughs>
2: if anybody does, I'm out of business. <laughs>
3: It really was a grand dinner,
8: Beulah. Oh, now, folks, you're going to embarrass me. (laughs) You know how I am. I'd rather have a little praise now and then than a raisin. Beulah, what is you saying? Beulah,
3: did you say you were going to take Friday off this week?
8: Yes, ma'am. You say you ain't going to disaccommodate anybody? Not at
2: all, Beulah. Is this some special occasion?
8: Yes, of course. Friday is Navy Day, and I got a brother going to be here on furlough you
3: got a brother in the Navy, Bula?
8: Yes, ma'am. My fine boy, too. He got a medal for saving three sailors' lives at Pearl Harbor. Boy, that's
6: wonderful.
8: Well, the whole Navy is wonderful, Mr. McGee. They're really in their pitching. And it sure burns men like my brother up when folks talk about celebrating the end of the war when Germany give up. He says it's like burning the gold post at the end of the first half. And he said, we still got a long time war on our hands, licking them jackets, And anybody that quits fighting or working now is just no account trash.
3: Well, you're really proud of your brother, aren't
8: you, Bill? Proud of all of them, man. Every time I walk down the street and I see a boy in that little old blue uniform, I say to myself, I say, love that man. <laughs>
3: My, my, isn't she sweet? She certainly is.
2: <laughs> say, these are mighty good cigars, old Orville. <laughs> got his initials on the cigar band, too. See it on the cigar T.O.D.?
3: That's interesting. You mm-hmm. know, they say if your initials spell a word both ways, you'll be rich.
2: No, not necessarily. I got a cousin named Marvin Underwood Degnan. His initials spell mud one way and dumb the other. <laughs> and he makes his living picking cranberries. <laughs> that shows your... maybe old Orville forgot something. Come in.
3: Oh, Doctor Gamble! Hello,
2: Doctor. Hello, Molly. How are
9: you, little beaver? <laughs>
2: Hi, Doc. You're just the guy I want to see. You got any castor oil with
9: you? Yes, I have. But you better
2: let me have a look at you first. Where do you hurt? I don't hurt. I feel wonderful.
3: Well, then why do you want the castor oil, McGee? Well,
2: I'll Oil a couple of casters. My dresser squeaks. <laughs> so does your sense of
9: humor, Bird Brain. I've had a very tough day, and I'm in no mood for your rustic wit.
3: The shortage of doctors makes a lot of work for the ones that are left, I suppose, huh? Well,
9: it really does, my dear. I'm a tired old man. And if there's any hot coffee in that coffee pot,
2: you've made a valuable friend.
3: Why, certainly, Doctor. Here, let me give you a cup.
2: <clears throat> drink hearty, Doc. Not that coffee will do much for that permanent sleepy look of yours. Thanks.
9: And this permanent sleepy look of mine is probably due to the fact that I'm permanently sleepy. I get up five times a night to drive around town and tell other people to stay in bed for two weeks. See, you had company tonight
3: Yes, we did, Doctor How
8: on earth did you know?
9: Extra coffee cup Elementary deduction Every doctor's more or less of a detective, you know
4: Well,
8: tell us more,
9: Ellery You big phony
4: (laughs) All right
9: He had plenty of money, too because you're smoking a
2: 50-cent cigar and you never paid more than two and a half cents for one in your life. <laughs> I would offer you one, Doc, but they're a little rich for you. <laughs> Besides, this is the last one. Mm. I'm sorry you weren't here to meet Orville, the first completely honest man
3: I ever met in my life. He really is, Doctor. You know, it seems McGee paid his fare on a bus some six years ago, and he made a special trip to Wistful Vista to pay it back. Ain't that wonderful, Doc?
9: No, it doesn't make sense psychologically. What do
3: you mean, Doctor? It
9: violates all the basic principles of human behavior. It's eccentric and therefore subject to suspicion.
2: There you go, you cynical old septic. A guy can't even do a decent thing in this life, but what you have to tear his reputation apart. Well, my gosh, he wouldn't even sell me three shares of his Houston mine without telling me it might be no good. Three shares of what? Mining stock. Only paid 35 bucks a share for it,
9: Oh, gee,
3: you didn't tell me.
9: I see. He shows up here with $4. He says you loaned him on a bus six years ago and sells you some mining stock. Oh, brother... When I think of the human flesh, I have to carve my way through for 105 bucks.
2: <laughs> now, look here, doctor. This man is a friend of mine. And I won't have you making any derogatory... McGee? Or... Huh? Where did you say you met Mr. Drake? On the bus between Albany and Boston. And
3: when was that?
2: Way back in... It was one. Oh, my gosh. I've never been in Albany. <laughs>
1: It's a good thing to check up on fundamentals. For example, do you know the real number one reason for putting wax on your floors, furniture, and woodwork? Well, it's for protection. To guard those surfaces against wear and dirt, make them last longer, save on costly refinishing. The rich, mellow beauty that Johnson's Wax gives is really an extra dividend. And so are the many hours of work that you save when your things are wax protected. The next time you apply a coat of Johnson's Wax to your floors or tabletop or leather goods, Remember that you are only doing what nature has always done. Did you know that when you rub a red apple and it shines, you have merely buffed up a waxed surface? That's true. And man, throughout the ages, in protecting his things with wax, has merely imitated nature. Today, Genuine Johnson's Wax has a special role to play in helping you to take better care of your things, making them last longer, protecting their beauty.
2: chump I am. What a fool.
3: Oh, <laughs> stop worrying, McGee. Everybody gets taken in by a sharpshooter at some time in their life. That don't
2: worry me. It's that check I gave the guy for this mining well, stock.
3: Well, heavenly days, silly. Stop payment on it. I can't. Why
6: not?
2: Well, my pen ran dry when I was making it out, and we got to talking, and I never did sign it. How can I ask the bank to stop payment on a check that's no good? What can I say? Good night. Huh? Oh, good night.
5: Good night, all. <laughs>
1: This is Harlow Wilcox, speaking for the makers of Johnson & White's Finishes for Home and Industry, inviting you all to be with us again next Tuesday night.
2: Tonight, This is the nice National Broadcasting Company.
1: <laughs> That's the program with Silver McGee and Molly. <laughs> Milk. Pet Milk presents Fibber McGee and Molly with Bill Thompson, Gail Gordon, Dick LeGrand, Cliff Arquette, Ken Christie, Peggy Knudsen, and me, Harlow Wilcox. The show is written by Don Quinn and Phil Leslie and directed by Max Hutto with music by the King's Men and Billy Mills Orchestra. In recent months, Pet Milk Company has celebrated five special birthdays. Yes, in the past five months, five sets of pet milk quadruplets have had birthdays. And now comes another special pet milk birthday. Tomorrow, the Fultz quadruplets, those four identical little Negro girls of Reedsville, North Carolina, will be five years old. And during that time, they have developed from tiny babies of three pounds each to sturdy, vigorous youngsters of over 45 pounds. Now, much of the credit for this exceptional development goes to the wise doctor who, shortly after the babies were born, approved pet milk for their feeding. And they've had no other kind of milk since then. In pet milk, these babies have had uniformly rich, whole milk. Milk that is as surely safe in its sealed container as if there were no germ of disease in the world. Milk that is always easy to digest and is fortified with pure crystalline vitamin D. No wonder that the false quadruplets have developed into sturdy, vigorous, happy children. If a fellow had his wife in his car and was taking her to Kramer's drugstore at Fourteenth and Oak for a soda, would you say he was driving her to drink?
6: <laughs>
1: oh, you wouldn't. Well, anyway, here they are in the car. Pipper McGee and Molly.
3: Don't drive so fast, Raspberry. I don't want a McGee soda that badly. Uh, I mean, don't drive so fast, McGee. I don't want a Raspberry soda. I fast. ain't
2: driving fast. Legal limit, that's all.
3: Well, I'm glad you finally decided to speak to me. You've been silent for three blocks.
2: What do you mean, silent? Didn't you see that sign? Hospital zone?
6: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh.
2: Anybody that he's thoughtless enough to yakety-yack going through a quiet zone is... And anyway, I'm in kind of a hurry. After you have your soda, i got to go to a PTA meeting. A PTA meeting? Mm-hmm. You? Well, what on earth do you have to go Oh, for... my gosh. What's the matter? Oh, I was so busy talking to you, I went right through that red light.
3: Well, it wasn't very red. Huh? <laughs> oh, no, with the sun shining through it, it was just sort of a shocking pink. <laughs> anyway, nobody saw you do
2: it. That, my dear, is not the point. The point is, I have busted the law. And I'm just as guilty as if I'd have been sawed by eight cops. Molly, you've got to turn me in
3: I will not turn you in
2: huh? I've kept you
3: this long and I'm used to you
6: <laughs>
3: Besides, what could I get
2: on a trade for? No, no, I mean... <laughs> to the
6: cops,
2: to the cops By George, I committed a traffic violation And I'm going to make an example of me this time Turn myself in, pay the fine Teach myself a lesson
3: Well, I will say, Mother is proud of this sudden flare up of conscience, sweetheart, but aren't you going a little too far?
2: No, just to the police station. (laughs) It's right here, right handy. Like it always is, Mary. Man. Maybe this will learn me to be more careful, Molly. I might have hurt somebody running through that stop signal. Me, for instance.
6: Well, heaven heaven.
2: forbid. What do you think they'll find you for this little thing? I don't care what it costs. I'll pay it. Five bucks, ten bucks even. I don't care if it's fifty. Well, ten anyhow. <laughs> if it's over ten. I can run through another light on the way home to get my money's worth. <laughs> oh, come on, kiddo. Let's
3: go. See, incidentally, what was this business about going to the PTA meeting? When did you join? The... Uh-oh. Tell me later. Here comes Ollie from the Elks Club. Huh?
2: Oh, hi, Olly. Hello, Ollie. Well, hello, Missus. Hello, McGee. Huh. Hey, bet you're going into police station for McGee. You are taking advice of the boys at the house Club and given yourself all?
3: <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what he's doing, Ollie. He ran through a stop sign at 14th and Oak.
2: Yep, I didn't see the sign, Ollie. Oh, that's very dangerous, McGee. My cousin in Milwaukee, he lost the same thing last week. Oh, is that so? He was driving downtown, and when he wasn't broken, he runs through a sign. Yeah, was it a red sign that said stop? No, it was a canvas sign that says, Welcome, General McArthur. <laughs> And after he drives through it, that you says, well, Yen and McAuliffe.
3: I tell you, you have to be mighty careful in traffic these days, Ollie. Say, does your wife drive a car?
2: She used to, missus, back in Sweden. That's how me, we meet me and my missus. How, head on? Uh, no, I was working on a farm, McGee, huh? One day she drives by and waves at me with a little lace handkerchief. Oh, that's cute. I was plowing at the time, and I absentmindedly waved back with the plow. <laughs> she gives a little squeal and runs her car off the road and clears through the barnyard. My, My gosh, did the cops see her do it? Well, the sheriff comes right away, but he don't arrest her. He lets her go with a warning. Oh, first offense, huh? Sure, first offense, and then a telephone pole, and then another friend. <laughs> But she finally stops the call. Well, that's uh, all very interesting, Ollie, but this ain't paying my debt to society. I've got to get in the police station here and get oh, this Oh, be- before you go, McGee, i got a message to give you from the health club. Yeah? They want you to be chairman of the new committee. It's oh. called the Keep Out Members That Don't Pay Their Dues Committee. Oh, well, that's a good idea. What do I do? <laughs> Keep out. So long. <laughs> Come on, Molly. I want to pay my fine here and clear my conscience so I can... Uh, hey, bud, uh, you the chief? Wait till I look at this badge on my cap here. That's what it says, chief of police. What can I do for you, mister?
3: Well, he has a confession to make, chief. He's been a bad boy.
2: Smoking behind the barn again, sonny? <laughs> Nope, I run through a stoplight at 14th and Oak, Chief, on account of I didn't see it. But I realized right away... All right, just take your ticket to the traffic violation window on the second floor. I ain't got a ticket. Nobody's seen me do it. What? What are you doing here?
3: Well, this may surprise you, Chief. It did me, but he's just honest, that's all. Yep.
2: I busted the law. inadvertently, of course. And I'm ready to make a full (laughs) confession. How much I owe you? Holy smoke, let me get this straight. Huh? You run a red light, nobody saw you, you come in here to rat on yourself. Yep. Hey, Eddie, did you hear that? I can't believe it, Chief. Congratulations, mister. McGee's the name, Fiverr McGee. I'd like to shake your hand, McGee. Chuck, huh. <laughs> it was nothing that any red-blooded American boy wouldn't have done. It's something no red-blooded American boy has done in all my 30 years as a cop. <laughs> thanks for brightening my day, McGee. I wish I could take
1: your $10, but thanks anyhow. I can't find you.
2: What do you mean you can't find me? There's a law, ain't there? I bust it, didn't I? But you see... I confess. I'm guilty. What do you want me to do? Take the third degree? No, 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 but we well, can't. stop it's not song. Take my ten bucks and give me a receipt. Well, give him ten bucks, Molly. What? Oh.
6: <laughs> there you are,
1: sir.
2: Look, lady, this is very honest of your husband. We appreciate it. But the law is very plain. We can't arrest a man unless somebody sees the crime committed. Nobody saw him? Oh, so... yes, yeah, somebody saw him.
3: I saw him.
1: You
2: betcha. That's no good, McGee. Wife can't testify against her husband. Now, I'm a little busy here, so if you'll just Oh, you're along... trying to give me the route, eh? Well, by George, I know my rights. I'm a taxpayer and a criminal.
6: And I got a right <laughs> to say. You heard what
2: the chief said, McGee. Now, kindly haul your freight before we have to judge you for creating a disturbance. I don't know. I don't want to be judged for creating a disturbance. I want to be judged for running the stoplight. I've got influence in this town. I'll see the mayor. I'll blow the lid off. I'll show you, Judge. Here's a
6: new composition by Billy Mills and Kobe Korinsky. The <laughs>
2: When can we see the mayor? I've been waiting here six or seven minutes. And by George... What Jordan... was the name, sir?
3: Latrivia. My goodness, you ought to know the name of the mayor. I didn't mean
2: the mayor's name, madam. I mean this gentleman here. What gentleman? Oh, me. <laughs> uh, I, I'm Trevor McGee, sis. And I want to see the mayor. I want to correct the horrible case of Miss Justice.
9: Just a moment, sir. I'll see if he can give yes. you a minute.
2: Good. Yes, Miss Doberman? <laughs>
9: Gentlemen, to see you, Mr. Mayor. He says it's
2: urgent. Who
9: is it? A uh, Mr. McGraw.
2: Tell Mr. McGraw to come right
9: in. Tell him it ain't McGraw. It's McGee. The name is McGee, Mr. Mayor.
2: Oh, well, tell Mr. McGee I'm out. <laughs>
6: in that
2: case, I'll be McGraw. Come on, Molly. Just a minute,
3: sir. You can't go in there. Hi,
2: Latrivia.
3: Remember us, Mr. Mayor? Mr. and Mrs. Fibber
6: McGraw?
2: <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, I didn't realize who... <laughs> if I'd known you were with him, I... Uh, well, sit down <laughs> Thanks. <I'll tell> you. <sighs> now here's the situation. I was. to driving... oh, excuse me. Oh uh, yes? Oh yes,
1: you have my speech ready for the dedication. Yes. Well, I have one correction. In paragraph seven, page 245 <laughs> strike out the phrase "The little red schoolhouse." Yes. Make it the little red, white, and blue schoolhouse. <laughs> These are sensitive days. <laughs> uh, thank you, Mr. Sherwood. Uh, now then, folks, you were... Uh...
3: Heavenly days, does your speech run 245
6: pages?
2: Yes, but it's on thick paper.
6: <laughs> now then,
1: what
2: was it, McGee? The trivia. I want to correct the horrible instance of Justice. I've just ran up against a fragrant case of (laughs) non-prosecution.
6: Fragrant, dearie,
2: not fragrant. I mean fragrant. It smells. (laughs) The trivia? Your police force is riddled with corruption. They won't persecute a guilty man. They won't fine a guy ten bucks that he comes involuntary and confesses to a legal violation. And do you realize that Wait,
1: wait, wait a minute. Let me get this straight. Mm -hmm. You tell me, Molly.
2: Well, it's very simple, Mr.
3: Mayor. A, he ran through a red delight.
6: Yeah,
1: you tell him.
3: <laughs> a, he ran through a red light. B, yeah. <laughs> he tried to arrest himself and pay the fine. C, they wouldn't take it. And from D through XYZ, he's pretty upset
6: about it. <laughs>
2: Now, I want to know what's the use of being honest if nobody's going to take advantage of you.
6: <laughs>
2: A good question and
1: one which rarely arises in politics. <laughs> Look, McGee, you go back to the chief and tell him I sent you. Oh, swell. And when you get there, hand him this dollar bill. Huh? Oh, what's the dollar
3: for, Mr. Mayor?
1: In politics, Molly, this is known as passing the buck. <laughs>
6: okay. Well, now what?
2: Now I'm determined to get that chief of police his job. I'm going to take steps to have that guy impaired.
3: Wrong, <laughs> Bishop Root, dear. You mean impeached. I do. Sure. He's already impaired.
6: <laughs> Any
3: public official who won't take $10 from an honest citizen is really handicapped. <laughs> And by the way, I want to know about this PTA business. Just Now, you... never mind that now,
2: see. The point is, what's the use of enforcing the law when a guy like Wilcox... Who? Huh? Me.
6: <laughs>
2: what are you so excited about, pal? Junior? Junior? Do you realize... Do you realize... Do you realize that our city administration is riddled with honesty? Is that bad? Well, McGee thinks so.
3: He ran through a red light, arrested himself, went down to pay the fine, and they wouldn't take it because uh, nobody witnessed the crime. Yeah, and no, ain't that
2: awful, Junior? Do you realize that when an honest citizen tries to throw $10 on the drum and they won't take it, it makes a mockery of the law? Pal, it's... pal, I'm glad you brought that up.
3: About what up, Mr. Wilcox? About the drum
1: and the mockery. Drum and the mockery? Yeah. Do you realize that the pet milk recipe of the week is mock drumsticks?
6: Mock Mock drumstick? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, huh? uh-huh.
1: And I was just on my way to the mayor's office to suggest that this be made National
2: Mock Drumstick Week. Mock Drumsticks.
6: <laughs> yeah, week.
1: Oh, your look,
2: of... look. If you think I'm going to go out and shoot mockingbirds just to get a couple of drumsticks, <laughs>
6: <laughs> then
2: anyway, they wouldn't have enough meat on them. No, to eat. no, dearie, no, not mockingbirds. Well, what then? There ain't any such bird as a
6: mockingbird.
1: <laughs> <laughs> look, pal, you can get the recipe. Grocers all over the nation have it. And mock drumsticks is just one of the delicious and nutritious dishes... Oh,
3: that's cute. Delicious and nutritious dishes.
6: <laughs>
1: ...that you can serve, because pet milk shows you how you can cut your food budget and still serve tasty meat dishes that don't skimp on quality or nutrition. Because pet milk is fine for making all... Here I right. try to pay it's my fine, fine. and it's, it's fine. As you said, it's fine for making the most of the least. <laughs> I was afraid that's what and I said. fine cook... <laughs> Cooks everywhere. Love it because it's just good, sweet country
2: milk made double rich through evaporation. Yeah, uh, it's say, fine. Uh, uh, Milky.
3: <laughs>
2: you know a good lawyer?
3: Liar? McGee, you're not
2: going oh, to. Oh, yes, me. I am, kiddo. I'm going to be prosecuted for my crime if I have to throw myself on the Supreme Court. Full length. I can't go through life with this sin on my mind. I want to pay my debt to society. You know a good lawyer, Junior? Sure, sure, sure. My cousin, Big Mouthpiece Wilcox.
6: Oh,
3: Big Mouthpiece Wilcox. Say, isn't he the gray-haired man who was a colonel in the last war, Mr. Wilcox? Oh,
2: I know him, sure, and his hair ain't gray. It's white. Why don't he touch it up a little, Junior?
3: On account of the old song, sweetheart, old soldiers never die.
1: So right, Molly. And I'll call him, kids. I'll have him meet you at the police station. So <laughs> long, Al.
2: Old soldiers never... Oh, hi, bud. Are you Big Mouth Peace Wilcox? That he was to meet us here in the police station where we are now? No, sir. I am ipso J. facto, sir. The criminal lawyer.
6: Oh, well, I must
1: say you looked the part.
2: Thank you, madam.
1: Not at all, or hardly at all. Mr.
2: Wilcox sent me to handle your case, sir, because he was tied up in his office. Business? No, burglars. <laughs> they tied him up so tight that, well, let's get down to cases. Sir. <laughs> I am perfectly capable of handling this case. Uh-huh. They have a saying around the courtrooms, Ipsy's a daisy. <laughs> See, that's me. If so, Jay Factor. Now, pardon, uh, pardon me. What was that, sir? He said pardon him. Well, now, I'm afraid that's a little beyond my province, madam, because <laughs> my province is Saskatchewan. And to be pardoned, he must go to the governor. Fortunately, the governor and I are very close, although the governor is much the closer of the two.
6: <laughs>
2: well, I remember one time at a stud poker gave I
6: remember uh, no,
2: Now, wait a minute. Hold
6: it!
2: <laughs> my gosh, i never seen such a gabby lawyer. Aren't I, though? You should hear me before a jury of 11 good men and true. You mean 12 good men and true. No, I always manage to get to at least one of them. <laughs> anyway, when I address a jury, I have them spellbound. This is proved by the fact that they're always bound to be sent my clients away for quite a spell. LAUGHTER Now then, in your case, Mr. Dutt... Who? You, in your case, Claude.
3: Claude? His name isn't Claude. You
2: mean this is not Claude Dutt, the cat burglar?
6: <laughs>
2: well, you can admit it to me, sir. The relations between an attorney and a client are sacred, even to me. Now, oh, so wait he... a minute. Now, look, Buster, I ain't no cat burglar. He
3: never stole a cat in his life. <laughs> Excellent.
2: Excellent. This is the attitude I like in a client. Deny everything. Now, look, Here. 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 Yeah? As Mr. Duff's attorney, I demand. My name ain't Duff. Tell him, Chief. It's McGee. I stand corrected. Chief McGee, I demand. My name is not McGee. My name is Flattery. And Flattery will get us no place, will you, Flattery? <laughs> not if I can possibly. No Lord. I demand my client immediate relief. He is innocent. I am not. You are too. He is not. I am so. Please quiet, Mr. Duff. I, I... won't be quiet. Oh, yes, you will. You'll all be quiet had all this $10 fine business I'm not going to take. Get out of here. Yeah, please. McRae, Canfield, get
6: this air deal out of here. Throw him out. 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 We don't want him in here. Throw him out. And close the door. Throw him out. We don't want
1: him in here. A stranger once sat in a tavern (laughs) And talked to the wife he
9: adored He said she's a dear And she cried in
6: his ear Then everyone stood up and roared Throw him out We don't want him in here Throw Throw him out And close the door don't
8: throw him out (laughs) We don't want him in here And don't let him in anymore I've been mean to my darling, my darling, although she's a wonderful dream. He talked half the night of his sorrowful plight till everyone started to scream. Ah, throw him out! don't <coughs> so him in here, toss him
4: out and close the door. Throw him out! Get that bum out of here and don't let him in anymore.
6: A jailhouse. <laughs> there.
2: Yet, kiddo. Some lawyer Wilcox sent me to. We don't know enough about law to spring an old sofa.
6: Come on.
2: The car's down this way.
3: Well, what do we do now? Write to our congressman?
2: We ain't got a congressman, Molly. We didn't vote last time, remember? Here. Here's the car. I'll get in first, and we'll go home and pick it oh! Hi, daughter. Hi, Johnny. Oh, oh, hi there, old Daddy. Daddy. Hey, you kids seen anything of Bessie? No, we haven't. How is Bessie these days, anyway? Just fine, daughter. Yeah. Shooter in a bug's ear and wetter in a sponge. Got <laughs> out of a canoe at Dugan's Lake.
6: Yeah? You went canoeing, eh?
2: Yep. Me and Bessie rented us a canoe and went fishing, Johnny. Oh, fine. All day long.
6: <laughs> Yesterday, it must have been pretty warm
2: in the sun out there. I didn't set in the sun, daughter. I set in the shade. Of what? Bessie. <laughs>
6: He's a mighty shady
2: character on a sunny day, Bessie is. <laughs> he fished all day. Yeah, did you catch anything? I sure did, Johnny. Yeah? Very first cast, I flung the line out, snapped it back, and hooked into a 200-pounder that was fighting mad. Oh, boy, a 200-pounder. What was it, Bessie? <laughs> I sat in the bow of the boat, and Bessie sat in the stern, and that's where I hooked her, kids, from the bow. did not Well, That must have hurt. I couldn't feel a thing, daughter. But Bessie burned like a bee-stung mule and took off like a trout. Yeah? She peeled off 40 yards of line and headed for the middle of the lake. Boy. I snubbed her up with a rod and she broke water like a big mouth bass. Made <laughs> three beautiful leaps and another run before she tired out. Yeah? I was just about to slip the net under her when another fisherman cast with a purple spinner and... whoop!
6: Oh, she went again.
2: just a pin showing. A pin. Yep. That was her share of the rent on the canoe.
6: <laughs> <laughs> ah,
2: that was Bessie, a sport to the wear. Well, so long, kids. Goodbye. Well, I know one thing, Molly. From now on, I'm going to watch that police department like a hawk. If I can get anything on them guys...
3: Careful, dearie, careful. Here comes a squad car right now.
2: Yeah, look at them, the dirty crooks. (laughs) Probably looking for some innocent citizen that hasn't done nothing. So they can arrest him while a confessed lawbreaker like me. Hey! Hey, hey, them guys are running through that stop sign
3: Say, They did that, McGee, but I suppose the police... Hey, are... hey, hey, police, hey, you guys in the police car Stop, police, hey, stop Oh, what are you going to do? I'm
2: going to arrest them for going through a stoplight You can't arrest anybody I beg your pardon Anybody can arrest anybody if they see a felony being committed Which I just did Who hold it for
6: the police? Who yelled at us?
2: Oh, you again <laughs> Yes, me again
6: you
3: went through a red light without stopping, Chief.
2: Let me see your driver's license. Make it snappy. Well, the... the... look, McGee, I'm sorry, but I was late to my PTA meeting. What? Hey, wait a minute, Chief. you belong to the PTA? You going to the meeting at the pet shop? Yeah. Oh. You too? Yeah. Well, come on. Get in the squad car and we'll turn on the silence. Well,
4: oh, just
3: a minute, Chief. <laughs> what this is all about. What's this about a PTA meeting at the pet shop? And why at the pet shop?
2: Oh, I guess I never had a chance to tell you, Molly. A bunch of us guys like the chief here and some more guys. Well, it's a humanitarian idea. Yes, yeah, those poor little feathered creatures, strangers yeah. in a strange land. Can't speak a word of English. Yeah. <laughs> so we teach them.
6: Teach who? Teach who what?
2: The parrots. At the pet shop. We teach the parrots to talk English. And we formed a club. The Parrot Teachers Association. (laughs) Bring your wife, McGee. We'll make her a member.
3: I have another humanitarian idea. What's that? Include me out. I'm going to Kramer's drugstore and get my soda. River
1: and Molly return in a moment. Hey, are you looking for ways to cut down on your food bill and still give your family the satisfying, nourishing meat dishes that mean so much? Well, then you'll certainly want to try Mary Lee Taylor's pet milk recipe for mock drumsticks, a top stove, one-dish dinner that's as nourishing as it is economical. This recipe is such a big favorite, it's now being featured in grocery stores from coast to coast. Look for it in your grocery store right along with the display of pet milk. And remember, when you use pet evaporated milk, it's easy to have extra good meals at lower cost for two reasons. One, pet milk is double rich milk, sweet country milk concentrated to double richness. And two, pet milk costs less generally than any other form of milk. Get a supply of pet milk at your grocer's tomorrow, and sometime soon, treat your family to delicious mock drumsticks.
2: Well, that was the parrot teachers meeting, dearie. Constructive? Yeah, a lot of fun. A lot of them little pollies sure learn quick. I was teaching one of them to talk, and all of a sudden he cocks his eye at me, and he says, hey, Bob, where's your feathers? <laughs> I sure had to think fast on that one. What did you think? I says, I'm molten." <laughs> and he says, I'm glad to know you, molten." I'm Smith.
6: That's <laughs> yeah,
2: great fun. Hey, I'm hungry. What can I get you? Oh, just a cracker. Good night. <laughs>
1: Have you ever tried to settle a neighborhood quarrel? Well, then you know that trying to be a peacemaker isn't easy. And that's what young wife Sally Carter discovers in the amusing story of the week on Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor program next Saturday morning. You'll also hear the Pet Milk recipe of the week for chocolate crisps, delicious cookies that are quick and easy to make with everyday ingredients. For a full half hour of entertainment and helpful service, turn your dial to NBC next Saturday morning for Pet Milk's Mary Lee Taylor.
0: Be sure to tune in next time, my friends, for another classic comedy radio show. I'm Greg Fordyce. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.